Chairman Caleb Collier said, I'm proposing that the city of Spokane Valley issue a proclamation stating that our city is a Second Amendment sanctuary city. Today on Church and State, we'll be joined by Dr. Renata Moon. Hello, Christian patriots, and welcome to Church and State, where we strive to plug you into the pew and plug you into politics. I'm your host, Caleb Collier. With me, as always, Pastor Gabe Blomgren, once again, your favorite far-right shock jocks and the most schizophrenic show you listen to on a daily basis. Yeah, well said. The emphasis today is going to be on freedom, specifically medical freedom, and we're going to be having with us a wonderful doctor who is uh, somebody who has treated many, many children in here in the Pacific Northwest, including uh, Kellogg, Idaho, I believe. So, yeah, it's it, to hear her testimony and to see what doctors are going through. I know we've lobbed some kind of hand grenades into the statement that, hey, doctors have just been pushing and just been pushing, and, uh, you know, we're going to be able to hear the testimony of what it's been like to be a doctor and have that pressure on you to push a certain agenda. And, you know, it'll be interesting for all of us to hear her side of the story because we think that they and just basically uh, toe the line. And it, this is not the case for Dr. Moon. So Absolutely. having her on is going to be eye-opening. Before we bring on our guest, I want to remind everybody, go to churchandstate.media. This is our website <laughs> where you can download this show. This is definitely going to be an episode that you're going to want to share with individuals far and wide because, as Gabe pointed out, um, you know, you do tend to certain professions uh, that you kind of beat up on a little bit. And uh, there was a lot of anger post-COVID um, that uh, we were kind of questioning the medical community. There was a lot of heroes in it as well, and we need to be mindful of that. Um, also, take advantage of all of our fine affiliates. Um, we've been really kicking on that that gold one. We might as well stay there. Go to the uh, Beverly Hills Precious Metals. You need to be prepared for what's coming at us, and you need to be secure in your finances. And the best way to do that is to own gold and silver. Use that promo code church and state, and uh, we will get a little bit kicked back to us. You can also donate to us directly. Just hit the donate button. Keep us on the American Christian Network. And last but not least, if you want to contact us, church and state 1776 at proton.me. Now with that, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Uh, Dr. Renata Moon is a, as Gabe said, was a pediatrician or is a pediatrician. Yes, well said. A, yes. She, we, yeah, we, we, sorry. That's I, the whole point well, of this. We want to see her license reinstated. Well, it's just in Washington State that the issue is. But I, uh, why I said was was because she was a professor at Washington State University until they recently fired her over her testimony. So with that intro, Dr. Renata Moon, thank you so much for joining us on Church and State. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolute pleasure. So why don't you uh, go ahead and fill our audience in on what has occurred as of late with you? Yes, I need to start with my disclaimer, which is that I am here just representing my own experiences and my own opinions. I'm not here representing any employer, past or present, or any other entity. Uh, yes, it's been very challenging practicing in medicine the last uh, you know four years or so and especially challenging uh, practicing in Washington State. So, uh, you know, my story is actually pretty lengthy. I think maybe some of the readers know some of what's happened, but, uh, but you know, I've really been out here fighting for what I see as a com the complete destruction of your ability as a patient to have true informed consent discussions with your physician. Uh, we've lost so much freedom in medicine that I just, personally never thought I would ever experience something this profound and this scary in the medical world. And um, so I've really been fighting 
back in the best way that I can, um, pushing back against this. And in the process, I've actually lost two jobs in Washington. So <laughs> I guess I'm an overachiever, but I've, I've managed to lose two jobs in this pushback um, against the, the tyranny that we're seeing. Dr. Renata, can you, can you kind of just real quickly explain what is an informed consent conversation between a doctor yeah. and their patient? Well, I think informed consent is, you know, it's really pretty simple. You should be informed about the choices that you have in healthcare, and you should give uh, your consent to the risks and the, the potential benefits of that treatment without being forced or pressured or coerced or bullied into your decision. And it's really a foundational value of medicine. So without informed consent, we have some of the horrors and atrocities that we've seen play out historically, right? So people forced into doing things uh, with their bodies that, that, that they weren't their choice, right? So I think that really to be able to, to function and to practice medicine ethically and uh, with the best interest of the person in front of you in mind, informed consent is just vital to any conversation. And, and we really watch that go away and disappear during this whole COVID uh, situation. We watched people be threatened into uh, taking an experimental product without really, without informed consent because they were being threatened with job loss. They were being threatened uh, in other ways. They were being forced to take this product or to give the product to children so they could enroll them in school, so they could go ahead and take part in society. And that's, that's just always wrong. Uh, so, so I think that's how I would define it. Dr. Moon, we all know how we were muzzled by our employers or, uh, we were silenced. How are you as a doctor threatened? And cause that's, that's what I think a lot of people are really curious about. How were you put into the position where you were silenced? Cause we know yeah. how we were silenced. Yeah. So before I get into that, let me just be really clear that, you know, I trained at a top U.S. medical school. I've practiced medicine for over 20 years, really actually over 25 years. And I've never had any action against any state medical license. And I've never had a lawsuit against me. And I'm, I'm only bringing that up because I want people to understand that I have done my level best as a physician to take good care of, of, of people. And I have practiced, I practiced most of my career actually um, in Spokane at, one of, at the Children's Hospital and took care of patients there. So I took care of the, our region's sickest kids and still never had any lawsuits against me. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, I just did my best and I am careful when I practice medicine. But as, as the uh, mandates rolled out, I found myself working in a clinic in uh, Spokane and I found myself in a situation where my employer wanted me to show my own vaccine papers. And then there was a lot of pressure on the public to, um, to give this to their children. And as a pediatrician, I, I just felt like that was very wrong. You know, we had a novel product, a brand new type of a, they call it a vaccine, but really, honestly, if we look at it closely and carefully, it's a synthetic genetic product. It's not really a traditional vaccine. So we had this new product that they were trying to get everyone to take. And we had kids who had an extraordinarily, we knew at that point, extraordinarily low risk of a fatality from, from the infection itself. Right. And so why were we, why were we trying to subject them to, to the long-term risks of this product and the short-term risks that we really didn't know what they were at the time? 
why were we doing that for a disease that they had a 99.9997% chance of surviving just fine? So it was normal and reasonable, I think, to ask questions and to say, why, why are we doing this? And my background is such that I, my, my parents actually fled from a communist system. They fled from a system where they had to show their papers. Uh, that's kind of the general way of saying it, but they basically had to carry documents on them at all times to show that they could be where they were. Uh, if they traveled from one village to another, they could be arrested and thrown into prison for simply being in a different village without government permission. So this idea of having to carry your papers. And that has that stayed with me as their daughter, as someone born in America where we don't have to do that. This whole idea that I would have to show my papers to an employer and in order to keep my job was just, I just couldn't believe that it was happening. And, um, you know, when you look at it, from a just from a real uh, basic level, we knew at the time that these mandates were rolling out, we knew that the shot did not prevent transmission of the of the infection. It didn't prevent infection. So, how does an employer have the right to tell you, in, as an individual, what your risk has to be? So, I, I just said no to the to the mandate. I said I won't show you my papers. I didn't tell them if I had or hadn't had the shot. It's really not their business. I just said I won't show you my papers, and as a result of that. I had one medical school in our state that where I had, I'd actually volunteered at this medical school for, for my whole career in Washington state for 17 plus years, I'd volunteered at this medical school. I've taught countless hundreds of their medical students for free. And I was to give a lecture to the medical students by Zoom the next week. The school actually, this, one of the assistant deans actually sent me a memo and said that if I didn't show my vaccine papers to them, I would no longer be able to teach the students even by Zoom, oh even gosh. by Zoom. And at that point, I said to myself, you know, this is this is very clear now what they want. This is they want it's my failure to obey them. Right. Because are, are we really thinking this is going to morph into a computer virus? I don't think so. Right. I so, think actually hold on a minute. I think um, all along it was a computer virus. Maybe you're I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, actually, actually, you're very right with that. But you know what I'm saying, too? Yes. So, so this was this was obviously a crazy situation. So I lost one job over refusing to take part in this comply and show your papers tyranny. And then the second job that I lost, and, and you you said that I'd been fired this summer and, and that's actually somewhat inaccurate. I was my my position at the medical school this summer in 2023 was terminated. And it was terminated because they didn't renew my annual faculty contract. So technically, yes, my, my position was absolutely terminated, but I wasn't fired. I just they just didn't renew my contract. And that that loss of a job actually scares me even more because I've taught at this medical school. It was at, at WSU, Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine. I've taught at this medical school for um, since before it actually even opened. As you recall, the doors opened in, I think, around 2017. And I actually sat on the admissions committee. I was on the uh, accreditation committee that testified to get the school to open in the first place that helped do that, that work. I sat on the diversity equity committee. Like, I was very involved with this school and, and really wanted it to be a wonderful success for the citizens of, of Washington. And, and for our, you know future doctors to be able to to be homegrown and to be able to, uh, to to attend a school in their own state. So I really support the mission of the school. But what concerns me is is when you so they terminated my employment this summer 
because on my personal time off, I flew to Washington, D.C., and was spoke at the request of uh, Senator Johnson at the Senate hearing that he held on Capitol Hill in, in Washington, D.C. in December of last year, so December of 2022. Yeah, and let me, is, let me pause you Johnson? real quick. Yeah, the yeah, Senator Johnson. But let me yeah. pause you right there because, um, you know, with, with J6, we kind of have that, that lectern guy. Like, that's actually what he goes mm-hmm. by, you know, the guy that stole the lectern. Uh, you were almost known as, uh, as the, 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 the... The slip girl the, well, who was holding the paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, the vaccine insert doctor was almost yes. how you yeah. were known because you had this this massive folded up piece of paper that you opened up and it was supposed to have like all, all everything about the infor- yeah all the information about the vaccine and it was intentionally left blank it was i mean it was just nothing on this page way so. worse of a smoking gun than if you had gone painstaking through everything and then highlighted a few objects for it for it to be completely blank was the one of the most fishy things we had all seen yeah yeah, it was interesting. So I actually had never ordered this product for for a variety of reasons, but I the main one being I didn't think it was safe when it first rolled out to kids. I'd been following the hearings very carefully. I was watching the data, I was watching the evidence, and I could see there was a there was a significant risk to some kids who would take this. And but for a variety of reasons I didn't have access to it in, in all the clinics where I was working. Some clinics were only giving it in one location, you know, you had to go to a certain place and it wasn't where I was working. So so in the fall of 2022, was actually the the first time I'd ever held a box of the mRNA product in my hand. I was in a clinic. We actually had a box of it. I said to my nurse, I said, is it really, is the package insert really blank? Because I'd been hearing that. So remember, the fall of 22 was already well over a year into this being administered to to children and a year and a half or so for it to have been administered to adults. And so my nurse and I walked in, we pulled out a, a, a box of this product, of the mRNA product, and opened it together. So we unsealed the box, pulled out this package insert that was all wadded up, and then opened it into this large piece of paper that you all saw on on TV. And the look on my nurse's face, I mean, I think my face looked the same, but I obviously didn't have a mirror, so I couldn't see my face, but I saw hers. The look on her face, her jaw just dropped. She said, she said, whoa, because all it said was intentionally blank on each side of it. Um, now I'm told the box actually is empty, so they've taken it out is what I'm told. I haven't seen a box to absolutely confirm that, but that's what I've been told. But but back in the fall of 2022, it was empty. Nonetheless, I, I flew to D.C. You know, I wasn't flying for, I didn't go there for the limelight, certainly. I'm someone who likes to stay more in the shadows, honestly. Like, I would just like to live my life in peace and freedom and harmony, right, and, and all that. I, I went to D.C. because... I felt like it was my obligation to fly there when when asked to give my to to tell my concerns about the safety or the, actually the danger of this product to the to some senators so they would listen and do something about this. So I went as my obligation as a physician uh, to to speak and so I told them that there was an increase in myocarditis. There absolutely has been. The data shows it and we've personally seen it. I have personally seen it in my community. I showed the package insert. I said, we're being silenced and threatened. Like, what are we to do? This is something that's unprecedented. And I said, other nations have not given this to their children. Why are we giving this product to our nation's children? I was hoping to open a dialogue. And and again, I went on my personal time. So to get a memo from WSU a few months later, specifically citing that event and 
really, they came after me. They said it was their ethical obligation in the March of 2023 memo from WSU that has, it's been public. Uh, they said it was their ethical obligation to report what I had spoken in Washington, D.C., because it may have been misinformation, is what they alleged. And then they also stated that it was, um, this was something that may make me unsuitable to teach their medical students in the future. And just a few months later, they terminated my employment by not renewing my annual contract. You know, so let me pause you there, because you, you brought up that your parents grew up in a communist nation. And I, I'm familiar right. with this story because I've, I've heard you speak about it. Um, yeah. But, you know, in, in really a disgusting display of projection, they were calling us the Nazis. Uh, we've heard this over and over and over again, that, that the far right, that we're the Nazis. And yet here we have an example here where they were literally mm -hmm. asking you for your papers. They're, they're accusing you of, of, of thought uh, crimes basically on this because they didn't agree with what you were saying. And so you are unsuitable to, to educate the youth in, in a subject matter that you are quite frankly an expert in. Uh, I, I'm just I'm blown away but that that they have been able to twist this narrative to where yeah. uh, the, the sheeple, you know, the general American public have accepted this idea that, that, in fact, we're the bad guys in this entire situation. Yeah, the propaganda and the twisting of things has been incredible to watch. And it's been um, surreal to be a part of it, honestly, because, again, my my intent was very clear. I went to do my job. I am concerned and I remain highly alarmed that we are hurting children by giving them this injection. Uh, my conscience is clear. I've never ordered this for a child, but that's that maybe makes it easier for me to speak. But we need a sit down discussion. We need to not be um, silencing our physicians. I'm not the only one. There are really literally thousands of physicians worldwide who are speaking out, many in this nation. We're all people who, you know, if you look at our records, we, we, for the most part, many of us came from the top U.S. medical schools. We have clean track records. We are not people who were ever anti-vax before. We, in my case, I absolutely, completely trusted my regulatory agencies up until uh, this whole last four years of COVID. You know, I, I believed in what I was being told from our regulatory agencies. And and uh, to see this play out in a way where we were twisted into somehow being the bad guys and making it seem like we were making things up or, you know, I can guarantee you I did look at the evidence. I have looked at the evidence and the evidence has me highly alarmed about using this product at all for our nation's children. And so it's my obligation to speak out. And and my concern with the students is not just one medical school. I'm not pointing the finger actually at any one medical school, this situation with the lack of free speech in, in our educational systems is unfortunately nationwide. This is happening in medical schools, law schools, colleges, all across our beautiful country. And we are to the point where if this continues, we will not have, we will not have a medical system that anyone will recognize in the next five or 10 years. Would you, would you have, agree with me, Dr. Moon, that uh, mm -hmm. it's actually that this oppression and propaganda is actually having a, a reverse effect? I'm, I'm seeing more and more people that are not only pushing back against the, the COVID-19 vaccine, but, but all vaccines as a whole, that, that they're actually yeah. questioning the medical community and, and really becoming experts through their own research on this and, and determining what they're going to give their kids or what they're going to put in their own body as well. Yeah, I, I could see it as I as I began to try, I actually began to travel around our country working in different sites. 
as a temporary physician and just the lack of, um, sorry, not the lack, the, the loss, the loss of trust that I saw in the eyes of these parents, you know, they didn't know me. They didn't know what my, my stand had been on, on these issues. They didn't know that I was supporting their own freedom to make decisions for their kids, but they just had this look of fear. The minute you bring up anything to do with shots at all, they just back away from you and they just look at you with fear. And I've, I've never seen anything like that in our healthcare system before. I never want to see anything like that again. We have lost, you know, the public has lost such trust in medical professionals and I don't blame them at this point. I absolutely am 100% in the court of the, the people with this. This is absolutely wrong. And we have, we have clinics now, I've met so many parents I've, who have lost their positions in the clinic, their, their membership or their ability to take their child to a pediatric clinic for things like asking too many questions, for things like refusing a hepatitis B vaccine at birth, for you know, for not being able to take part in their child's to, in discussions about their child's health care. You know, we've we've the medical system has just turned extremely tyrannical in the last few years, and and it flipped overnight. Seemingly, it it's really been hard to watch. Well, it just goes to prove that big government can ruin anything. Uh, Gabe, sorry to cut yeah. you off there. Yeah, Doctor Moon. Uh, there's doctors in different professions, uh, neonatal doctors, and also post-COVID, we saw a real decline in fertility rates, especially in Australia. Now they've tried to sponge yeah. that, sponge that, and just try to make that go away. They're saying, of course, things are returning to post or pre-COVID fertility rates in Australia, but Australia was so fervent and you will get the vaccine. So it, mm -hmm. we've, we've heard about uh, myocarditis as well, but was there anything that you were in the process along with all of your suspicions without putting you in any hot water? Was there some things that you were seeing in your patients or any reactions or any, anything medically that was making you even more suspicious of this? Um, like I said, I, I don't want to put you in any hot water by disclaiming Even as far this. as harm to patients? Yeah. yeah. Any, anything that you can remember yeah. that, was, that was making you suspicious of the vaccine? Yeah, there was so much. There was an avalanche of so much. And so, again, to be clear, I personally never ordered, knowingly ordered this. I have to say knowingly because sometimes uh, health uh, entities, organizations will put a physician's name on something without the physician knowing that, that their name is on an order. That happens, sadly. Mm -hmm. But I have never knowingly ordered this shot for a child. So, um, but despite that, and despite the fact that I've worked in clinics where many of our patients' parents were refusing these shots, so I didn't see a ton of kids myself that had mm -hmm. even had these shots. Mm -hmm. But just walking around my community, talking with people, mm -hmm. I went to lunch with a friend that I hadn't seen in over 20 years uh, in a different state. And as we're sitting down to lunch, she tells me her 20-something-year-old son just had a diagnosis of myocarditis and was discharged from the military five days after his second dose of Pfizer. Uh, you know, I take a history from another patient and I hear about the nephew of the mom who is giving me the history. So it's not my patient, okay? It's the nephew of the mom who's giving me the history, but her, the nephew has just diagnosed with myocarditis. Like all these stories, we're hearing this. And and I know because they're trying to normalize myocarditis as being something that, oh, it, it happens all the time. It, you know, it, maybe it's rare, but it's really not that rare. That is just a bunch of baloney. I have practiced for over 25 years. I've taken care of our region's sickest kids. And prior to COVID, I can remember maybe two cases of myocarditis in my entire 
career, my entire career. And now, you, you know, you go, you turn around and you hear about this kid diagnosed with it and this one. I had nurses calling me from different hospitals telling me how they have people coming in with uh, in heart failure for no reason in their 30s and 40s. That never used to happen. They know what normal is. I had paramedics calling me, telling me they were being called to the track fields of middle schools and high schools with kids complaining of palpitations. And they, they learned as they pulled up in their ambulance and they took their gurney out and they went to the to the scene, the kids sitting on the field, they told me, clutching their chest, wow. complaining of, of skipped heartbeats. And they know what normal is. They know they didn't used to see it with this kind of frequency. Mm-hmm. And they, they told me very clearly, they said they began to ask, when was your most recent dose of, wow. the, of the mRNA shot? And the kid almost invariably, like all the time, said just last week or two weeks ago or something very recent. So this is something that is absolutely happening. The data is clear that we had a major uptick in myocarditis. The, the passive surveillance system, VAERS, and it's not, it doesn't, they're very clear about telling us, and they're right, it doesn't mean it's causal. Just because someone reports a case to VAERS doesn't mean that that really, that, that shot caused the myocarditis. But I'm going to remind people that a diagnosis of myocarditis is not something that people come into the office complaining about. They don't come in and say, my child has myocarditis. Myocarditis is a diagnosis. They, they do come in saying, my child has a sore arm or my child has a headache or my child has some sort of symptom. But when someone actually puts myocarditis in the VAERS system and there's a sea of it, absolute explosion of it, you can look at all the graphs, that means their child was diagnosed with it, okay? They, they had a diagnosis of myocarditis. And so clearly there was a major increase in myocarditis. We were seeing it out in our communities and in the public at large. And I personally have met the parents of children and young adults who lost their child, who died from myocarditis within a week or two of getting the shot. So you tell me that this wasn't from that. It absolutely was. I mean, there yeah. are autopsy proven cases of this. Donna, there's, there's plenty mm-hmm. of examples too, where, um, yeah. you know, childhood cancer used to be exactly like this. So rare that people would fly across the country to actually see a child with cancer. And what did they do? Yeah. Normalized it. Uh, same thing with what we're seeing in myocarditis. Gabe, I know you had a yeah. quick question. Yeah, we we are just first, I, I want to tell her how much time we have and we want to talk about how we can help support yes. the case that the oh, yeah. working to uh, actually reinstate your teaching license, correct? No, it's, 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 it's actually a little bit more complicated than all this. I, I really just what I want is I want medical freedom back in our nation. And I think I joined the millions of Americans that want the same thing. We all need to, to push for that. And we want freedom of speech back in our, our colleges, our medical schools, in our um, institutes of higher learning, so law schools. So one way that you can support us is to support the Silent Majority Foundation, active in Washington State. They've been, they've been tremendous in terms of helping provide legal support to those of us who are fighting uh, against this tyrannical uh, suppression of our free speech. And so, and we're fighting for all of you. This is not about my job loss, as, as difficult as it's been to, you know, to lose a part of your career over doing the right thing. This is, this is more than that. This is about the freedom of speech of every American and the sense of, you know, how will this look in the future? If your doctor will conti- can continue to be silenced and because they're threatened, if they speak out about the dangers of a product, 
even even to a senator, even to a bunch of senators on Capitol Hill, where does this leave us? We will not have any sort of freedom in the next five or 10 years in the healthcare arena. Now, Dr. Moon, was there an email as well that people get a hold of you? Yeah, if you could reach out, if you want to reach out to us, I, re- I represent a very large group of pediatricians nationwide that is alarmed by what we're seeing. All these uh, intrusions into uh, personal autonomy and personal medical decision making. Uh, please reach out to us. You can reach us by email. That address is pediatricians, plural, pediatricians speak out at gmail.com. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we have run out of time. The interview yeah. goes far too quickly. Please stay on yeah. uh, after the interview ends. Uh, I'd like to go talk to you just a little bit more. Uh, but yeah. Church and State is sponsored in part by the Constitution Party and Patriot Church. I'm Gabe Blomgren, and a calm does not suit me. I'm Caleb Collier. I was born for a storm. Welcome to the fire.